When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is August 24th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great rest of your summer. Hopefully you survived the quote-unquote hurricane now or a tropical storm, whatever they were calling it. I know that some parts of the Northeast got hit pretty bad. I know Rhode Island, Connecticut. Here in Massachusetts, I don't, at least inland, we didn't get hit that bad. It was rain and a little bit of wind. Uh, but I know obviously for some people, it was much worse. I'm not going to sit here and speak for the whole storm, but out by... Boston, eh, kind of a bust, kind of a bust. Another swing and a miss by the local weather people. Um, but again, by you know Rhode Island and, and those areas, it was much worse. And it's a good thing that it was a swing and miss. So glad that uh, it wasn't as bad inland as uh, everybody said it might be. Anyways, enough about the weather. Uh, today on this episode, Connor Ryan and I discussed the projected opening night lineup for the Bruins, what we think will be the opening night lineup. Now, obviously that lineup is subject to change a ton throughout the year. May not be that lineup when the season opens, but this is our best guess at what the lineup will be, why it should be that way uh, come opening night uh, for the 2021-22 season. Before we get to that though, before we get into making a bet on the opening night lineup, it's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The Red Sox are existing. Patriots training camp is here and soon the Bruins Celtics will be back. And even if you haven't made it back to Fenway just yet, you can still be in on the action at bet online, no matter how the schedules change or the players that play bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. And we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. Go to bet online and enter promo code CLNS 50 for a 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit. Again, you heard me. A 50-5-0% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Promo code CLNS50. Nobody beats that. Nobody. So what are you waiting for? Head to bet online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses. Offers and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online your online sportsbook experts. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. You are not in Boston. You are in Denver. Lucky you. I am. I'm all over the place, adjusting to the altitude. Little, little woozy getting up, but you know, you, you fight through it. You, you deal with the, uh, different altitudes and, and I'm here. How does it feel to be in the city of a, a really good, uh, hockey team that drafts well? How's that feel? It feels lovely, Evan. It feels great. 
It's very it's a very interesting city, very sprawled out. But really, yeah, it's not too bad though. It's not it's not Boston, you know. But oh, no, it's yeah. pretty good. No, nothing like Boston. No. I've never I've never been to Denver. I so I, I, I can't speak on it at all. Yeah. So um, lucky check you. Back you also, check check back in a few days, and I'll, I'll let you know how it is. I'll do a scout you, report. You flew out in a quote unquote hurricane. Yeah, it was terrifying. No, I'm just kidding. It was literally one bump, and then it was like smooth sailing. I've I've been on. <laughs> 20 flights at a worse turbulence than the one I had. So apparently it wasn't that big of a deal. No, it wasn't. You were asking before we started. I was like, no, it was at least in the Boston area. It was not bad. Um, I know, I know Rhode Island got hit kind of hard. There's that video of that guy like flying across the parking lot. Um, so maybe that was pretty bad, but around here, there was none of that. I didn't see any people flying through the streets or, or anything of that sort. Um, so today we are going to project the opening night lineup. Uh, it is that time of the year where the season is kind of far away. And, you know, we're going to, you know, last week it was uh, biggest questions. This week it's, we're going to throw some darts to the board and hope they stick. But the opening night lineup. And I don't think, I think there's one area where it's unclear. I think the rest of those kind of obvious, maybe we can get into who, who should start in that. Ooh, that could mm-hmm. be interesting. We can do that later. Um, but I think forward wise, I don't think there's a lot of, question marks given the free agent signings given what Cassidy's said given Krejci's departure uh we'll get this one out of the way first this would be easy right Marshan Bergeron Pasternak on the first line I don't think that is changing at all as much as I don't think it's a terrible idea that it should I don't think it is changing so to speak um yeah, yeah. no I, I don't think so no, as much as I think even you've raised a valid point about it in years, you know, and, you know, earlier this offseason, season, especially like, I don't think Cassie's going to blow it up. Like it's, you could make the argument for putting Pasternak with the second line and kind of balancing out that scoring. And maybe there's merit to having, you know, sacrificing one elite line to get two very good lines. But also if you're Bruce Cassidy, you can just roll on that, roll that one line out there to dice up the competition you're probably sticking with it. So barring anything drastic or that second line really dragging, I think that top line staying together. Also, I don't think there was any chance that it was breaking up before the season. I think that would be a move that would be done mid game in like mm-hmm. December when right. the team is struggling and the offense is kind of dried up and Cassidy's like, I just want to see if this sticks. Um, Cause he's always been someone who has stuck with that first line. And a lot of times, rightfully so. I mean, that first line is, does damage um, most of the time. It just comes down to what about what's behind them. And that's what we're going to get into now. Second line. Um, what do you think the second line will be? I mean, I think it's going to be Hall, Krejci, uh, Smith. I mean, not Krejci. Did I say that? Oh, wow. oh mm. there no, it I'm is. Kidding. I'm kidding. It's not happening. It's not happening until that would be February, if that. But I still don't think it's happening. But being realistic, I'm going to say Hall, Coyle, Smith. Um, I, I just think you look at the way that line set up. Um, you know, people talk about Jackson Nika being a potential fit there, but I, I just think if you're looking to max out that line and it remains to be seen if Coyle's the best fit, but in terms of the first guy up, it's going to be a guy in Coyle who you're hoping he's healthy. He's coming off of knee surgery. You hope that, you know, I, I think you look at the situation they have there in the second line. And if Taylor Hall is more or less the new Krejci in that, even though he's a winger, I think we've seen multiple times that with his speed, his transition game, he can kind of make, you know, grade A chances out of nothing as well. So if you have him kind of be the main driver of that line and you have 
Coyle there, who's hopefully healthy. Smith, who's a great compliment as being a good two-way guy. I could see the production, you know, being there if they have that second line in place. You know, it, it all is going to depend on how well they kind of mesh together. I think it's going to be more chemistry than outright talent because I think talent's going to be there. You know, if they're, they may not be, you're not going to see as many highlight reel setups as, you know, David Krejci when he was there. But um, I think when you look at if Taylor Hall plays the way he did last year, if Charlie Quill's healthy, if Smith's there, they can be a productive line. Are they going to be as good as last year? Probably not. But if we end the year and let's say, you know, uh, it's a full 82 game season, guys stay healthy and, Hall gives you, you know, 25 and 25 goals, 65 points. If Coyle can get you 50 points, if Smith's a 20 goal guy, then works out pretty well. Like that's balanced scoring. And if hopefully you got those guys in place and the the rest of the lineup pans out, you at least have a balanced scoring attack. Is it going to be, you know, is Charlie Coyle going to have 70 plus points? Probably not. But I, I think you look at the the talent around him and whether it's hoping he rebounds, you know, individually or the fact that I think you're just loading him with more talent around him. It's not like last year where it was insert ineffective winger here next to Coyle. Like he wasn't great last year, but also wasn't like he had a whole lot of help either. Right. So um, I think it's going to be Coyle at 2C and then see kind of where, where it goes from there. So David Craigie comes back, which just like talking about, but I still don't think it's going to happen. We're going to keep saying it. And it's, it, we're just going to keep keeping it in the conversation. Uh, by the way, congrats to Charlie Coyle engaged. Yes. He's yes. an engaged man now. Maybe, maybe it, you know, you'll be engaged, even more engaged next season in the scoring attack, or maybe he won't be. Maybe he'll be too busy doing cake, cake testings and, and those things that Chris Wagner was talking about. So maybe it's, you know, maybe it's, you know, you could, he could be disengaged from the game because he's too busy planning the, a wedding. You never know. Part of the gig though. You gotta, oh. you, gotta, you, gotta you gotta roll with it. Gotta multitask. Uh, but yes, congratulations to him, um, on the, on the big, uh, life moment. Uh, that seems, seems like so far down the road for me, but, uh, you know, I'm 22. So, you know, who knows? Who knows? 22? I know. I should, I should, I should have a wife and four kids at this point. I mean, come on. I'm so behind. Um, anyways, Charlie Coyle, uh, uh, is to me, yeah, that make, that second line makes sense. I don't see it changing at least to start. I mean, like what I, I feel like that is your best bet to start the season with. It's kind of like the whole, that's not, I mean, it resembles the Cam Newton, Mac Jones argument in a sense. Except the Bruins don't really have a Mac Jones to the Cam Newton. I guess right. Cam Newton could be Charlie Cole could be Cam Newton, but I, I don't think the Bruins have anyone that could step in there and be like an immediate upgrade over Charlie Coyle. So Nick is a like fun a, idea, but he has to prove it, right? Like again, yeah. we've talked all about his skill and how he probably the appeal with Tanika is that he probably has the highest offensive ceiling if he pans out, right? If like we've seen in spurts what he can do, but and we've heard about you know him putting on. A lot of healthy weight this offseason working out really great which it's great it's encouraging but we also have to see it in a game setting right we need to see him dominate some shifts in preseason games and fight for it because it's you know it's going to be another uphill climb for him I don't think he's going to get a, a 2c or a 3c job right out of camp and it's probably going to be starting on the wing again which he's probably not most comfortable with but that's going to be how he carves out a spot in the lineup so maybe he eventually breaks through but I don't think it's going to be at the start of the year that's for sure Speaking of working out, this just reminded me. Monday morning, I went. I, I had a nice sick workout brag. in the morning. No sick brag. I was at the gym Monday morning. What were you doing, listeners? Not at the gym. Um. Anyways, I was at the gym Monday morning, and uh, midway through the workout, they turn all the TVs off. Everyone starts to leave, and I'm like, "What? What's going on?" A pipe burst in the women's locker room, and they had to just close the gym for the day. 
And I'm like, mid I'm like, come on, mid workout. Are you kidding? How am I supposed to make my gains with a Z? What the hell? You should have been doing it during the podcast. I should have been. I should, I should have my legs going like on the bike underneath yeah. uh, the, the desk that I, I got to start doing that, I guess. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I don't think Sadiq is ready for, um, second line minutes. And I, I, given the rest of this lineup, I don't know where he fits. Like I, I really, I have no idea where he would fit in this whole thing, which was leads to another conversation of like, that should be a trade piece. Sadiq should absolutely be on the trade block. If, if the lineup stands like this, I, I don't know where he fits. I mean, again, maybe a depth piece. Um, but I don't know exactly where he fits third line to me debrusque is your left wing right now I, I don't see him getting traded before the start of the season maybe a deadline move but i i not before the season and again why do you want to trade him at his lowest trade value what would be the point of that um eric Halla down the middle seems like the guy and nick felino on the right and again nick felino could be a guy who sees time at center like that could absolutely change but i think to start that's probably the route they're gonna go yeah i think so i think both Felino and Howla can, you know, play on the wing, play down, down the middle. But I think Howla is probably a better fit for right now. Um, you know, he's a very good faceoff guy. I think he led the Nash, the Predators last year in faceoff percentage. I think it was like 55, 56, which is pretty good. Um, so I think he's definitely down the middle. And Felino is probably the one who's probably the most out of position there. But I think when you look at guys, um, um, I think you look at, where to best maximize that line. And I think Felino, even though he may not be a right winger, he's still in a spot where you can still produce at that area. If you put J- uh, Jake DeBrusque at right wing, yeah. I think you're playing with fire, right? I think at this point, knowing kind of the ups and downs that he's dealt with, the safest thing to do is to just put him at left wing, have him comfortable, and hopefully he produces. Because I think as intriguing as that third line is, I think with two veteran guys and DeBrusque, if you really need to get that line going and be effective, I think you need to have Jake DeBrusque back to the level he was, not even in 2018-19 where he almost scored 30 goals, but just a guy who's a, a lock in a full season to score 20 goals. Like, you need to finish on that line, and I think you have to have DeBrusque there in his usual spot on the left side and generating chances, not only to get that line going, but if you are moving him, you also just need to recoup his trade value, right? So um, I, I look at that third line and – it's one that I think you could see shift around quite a bit. You know, who knows, maybe Sanika makes a, a spot there or he pushes for a spot. But I think starting the season, I think it's probably going to be, uh, you know, DeBrusque at the left side. And then you could probably, flip, you know, flip-flop those two other guys. But I think Howard on the middle gets probably the best bet right now. So this kind of enforces the whole idea I talked about early in the offseason was maybe this team, obviously, and you mentioned a little bit at the start, doesn't have that punch in the second line, but they have way more scoring depth way more scoring depth and that's what's going to kind of carry them throughout the season and keep them afloat is they can actually expect every single line after that first line to produce to to really actually produce i mean you you got really no production from the third line last year as well as the fourth line i think this year it's going to be completely and totally different uh when it comes to line four there seems like there's a lot of candidates for it Mm-hmm. But I think there's three standouts and it comes down to where they place. And for me, it's Trent Frederick, Thomas Noshek, and uh, Curtis Lazar. Those seem like the three that will start the season there. How do you see them kind of, if that's also your uh, three, where do you see them kind of fitting in on that fourth line? Um, yeah, I, I think it's most likely those are the first guys up. And the fourth line is going to be very interesting anyway, just in terms of, as you said, there's a whole bunch of candidates. And if, kind of the biggest 
area of your roster that's going to have the most guys vying for spars at the fourth line. Generally a good thing, right? You'd rather have, you know, kind of the cream rise to the top on that line and trying to find the best fit there. And I think having at least one guy who I think is a lock is going to be no sick down the middle. And then if it's, you know, Lazar or it's Frederick, um, you know, if Chris Wagner bounces back, you've got Carson Coleman, even a younger guy, like let's say like a Cameron Hughes. Um, I, I think having that be the main area of competition is going to be fascinating. And it's good to kind of get fresh blood in that fourth line. That's kind of labored a little bit the last couple of years. So, um, but I would definitely say probably no sick. And then probably I'd say Lazar is the second closest bet. And then after that, it's probably Frederick, but I think they need to see what you have in Frederick. We've talked about Frederick's game for a while now. And as great as he is in terms of, willing to, you know, fight for his teammates to, you know, get under the, the skin of the competition. You can only do it so much, right? You you can't keep on doing that and only have, you know, one goal or not making any offensive impact. And again, I think we've said, it's not like you need Frederick to be a, a 30 point top flight fourth line guy. If he ends the year 82 games with eight goals and like, you know, seven assists. Hell yeah. Take it. Right. <laughs> And I'm, I'm very interested to see Frederick down the middle at some point. I know Noshek, Nosek, Noshek, Nosek. I know Nosek is probably going to start the season down the middle. I would love to see Frederick though get time this year down the middle because I do want to see what they have in him as a center. How is he with draws? How is he playing a more, um, you know, two way game? How is he with that? Um, so I'm interested to see if they ever put him there, uh, as a center to see if he's effective. Cause as you said, we've talked about Frederick at length about what he can bring. Um, and sort of what he could do. And yeah, you're right. The odd man out's Wagner. I wonder, you know, if Chris Wagner can fight for his spot back in training camp, if he can kind of go back to the production that he was a few years ago. Um, cause again, he's making real money. Like <laughs> that's not money that you would just want dead, um, sitting in your salary cap. So I am interested to see if he can battle back for that, uh, the right wing spot on that fourth line. Uh, moving on to the defense where I think there is real, uh, debate about where people fit. Cause I think aside from McAvoy and Carlo is, uh, right D1 and right D2. I don't know if you, and maybe Clifton is right D3. Cause who else? <laughs> like who else Unless on that right like side? Oh, I yeah. think the only guy you would see who would compete is Lyle in that spot, but I would imagine Clifton is the inside track to open camp. Exactly. So that, that seems like to me the right side is, is set. So it comes down to the left side. Now, some have said Derek Forbert and, 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 uh, I believe it was either Sweeney or Cassidy mentioned Forbert could see time with McAvoy to begin the season. I don't love that. I don't. Um, I don't, I don't know if that holds. I'm interested to see if that hold Mac, if that holds McAvoy back in a sense offensively. I'm curious what you think the D pairings should end up becoming. Yeah. I'm, I still think even with, and I think probably the optics of a McAvoy Grizzly pairing have been, you know, taken a hit a little bit because they struggled, I think, in that Islander series. And are they the, the optimal top pair in terms of just like the personnel and what they bring? Maybe not. Maybe you'd like to have a guy who's a little bit bigger there, but I think it's tough to ignore the numbers when they're out there together and how well they play. Like I, I could see a situation where maybe it depends on the matchup. Like if let's say you're going up against a, a heavy poor checking team like the Islanders, maybe you switch out and it's Fulbert and you sacrifice a little bit of that production by keeping Forber with McAvoy and Grizzlick's further down the lineup. But I think over the span of a full 82-game season, I think in terms of maximizing the talent of that decor that is talented, but I also think you need to rely quite a bit on that top pair to do quite a bit. I think it's you're better served keeping Grizzlick and McAvoy together. It's just 
Um, you know, it's, I think you put most guys with Charlie McAvoy, you're probably going to have a pretty good pairing. Like look at him and Lowe's on last year. You know, like I think you put most guys with them. You're going to do pretty well. Um, but I think if you want to just maximize that production and, you know, for a guy in McAvoy who's still getting better, I mean, I think if you put him with, with Grizzly and they both play off each other so well that, you know, the points are going to be there, you know, especially if they're getting, you know, minutes with you know, the Berger online or the, the coil line. So, um, I still think probably the safer bet is to keep those two together, but I'm like kind of split 50, 50 on how I think it's going to be in camp. Cause I could totally see it kind of being like last year, right. Where it was, um, you know, McAvoy with Lowe's on driving and pair by himself more or less. And then goes like further down the lineup. Yeah. I forgot about that. Lowe's on open camp and open the season with McAvoy on that top pairing. Um, you're right though, in the sense that I think those two should stay together in Grizzlick and in McAvoy, but I think given what happened last year, especially in that Islanders series, and given that they need to be bigger on D, I wouldn't be surprised to see Forbert open with McAvoy. I do think it's situation-based, though. I think there's situations uh, where Forbert and McAvoy should be on the ice, you know, especially late game, uh, late close game D zone draws. And there are times when Grizzly and McAvoy should be on the ice together, which to me feels like most of the time, unless it's a hard forechecking team. Um, but I think Grizzly and McAvoy, I think Grizzly should be McAvoy's most consistent partner. Uh, but again, I think you're, you're right to say, I think that's going to change throughout the season. I don't think even in game, I think they could, they could easily switch, um, with the constant line on that line being McAvoy. I am very interested to see Forbert though in that shutdown role. Um, whether it be on the third pairing with Clifton, whether it be on the first pairing with McAvoy, I am excited to see how he sort of fits in, in, in this. I mean, can he actually live up to making three million a year? Uh, which I believe is more than he's made ever. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So. Again, you're kind of placing a bet on Forbert. And no, that's not a, that's not a, um, that's not a segue oh, to get no. online. We don't do that on this podcast. We do that in the intro. Um, second pairing feels like it's going to be Riley Carlo. I think that's, you know, they're paying Riley that kind of money that feels yeah. like what it's going to be. Um, interested to see Mike Riley in a full season because he was productive as hell in the end of the regular season. Uh, so I'm interested to see how he fares, where he fits on the power play. Is he the, you know, I wonder, I also wonder, yeah, I just mentioned the power play. I wonder how they use the D on the power play. Cause Krejci was one of your defensemen, um, on the power play. He's gone now. Um, you know, is Grizzlick still manning the first unit? Is McAvoy up there? Do they put Mike Riley? Uh, who does the second unit? I'm just curious what you think will end up happening with that. Uh, I mean, I, I think you just look at, so are you talking about, for for which pair is I mean, so the first pair, for instance, right? The first pairing yeah. on the power play was before it was Krejci and Grizzlick. That was at least mm-hmm. how they ended the season. Um yeah. Krejci is gone, at least for now. Yeah. He just got introduced actually in that check and I, I don't know if you saw the tweet. He got introduced with in the, the check. With the, the, with the it's chicken. a little bit of a uh, yeah, a rooster is a little bit different than the the spoked B, but <laughs> the spoke so, the spoked R. <laughs> yeah. Um but in terms of power play, yeah, I mean I wouldn't be surprised if I give more of a look for McAvoy in that spot. Well, here's the thing. I think McAvoy has a lot of untapped potential there. Has the numbers been there to support that? Probably not. But you look at the way his games continue to evolve, especially in the offensive zone. I think he's a good fit there. Um, you know, I'm sure Grizzik will get a lot of reps too. But also if you're Bruins, I wonder if you're also somewhat worried about putting McAvoy in the PP1 unit because 
it's probably gonna be a lot of points that way. He's also due for a pretty hefty pay raise next Ooh, year. So can't be having that. But, <laughs> no. Um but in terms of the other guy, you know, you've got I think Nick Felino said that he'd be like they pitched to him being a net front guy. So that could be a situation where he's added to the mix. I think Taylor Hall is very effective on the power play. You know, I think he more operates kind of along the half wall. Well, I don't think he's like a guy who operates up high. So um, it can, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole unit kind of changes and maps out because it's not like, you know, you lose Krejci, which is a tough hit, but you also have quite a few talented guys in there that can slot in to help an already pretty effective power play unit. So um, I'd imagine McAvoy would get more reps and I think probably we'll see how they can incorporate Taylor Hall in there who, as much as he's, you know, known for his speed, he's also a very good passer too, especially in that, you know, getting those great A looks, find those empty, you know, those seams that lead to quality chances. So I could see those guys getting a, getting a, a longer look, uh, when, when it comes to kind of revamping that power play. Yeah. I'm just kind of spitballing here, but it feels like that first unit could end up being Pasternak and Grizzlick at the top or Riley. Uh, and then down low, it would be Bergeron in the bumper, Martian kind of along the half wall. And then you have Felino out front. Maybe that's the route they go. So then the second unit can be, McAvoy, Riley, and then you have Coyle, Taylor Hall working the half wall, and then maybe Smith in front. I don't, I mean, again, it's spitballing, yeah. but I, yeah, I mean, that power play, it's going to be a legit, you know, thing to watch, um, as training camp gets going, especially how they separate the units and who they choose for each one. Um, and then it feels like for that third pairing, Clifton is going to be on the right side, and then it'll be either Grizzlick or Forbert. And I think it depends on the situation. Um, I don't think, you know, again, we've talked at length about forward. We've talked at length about Grizzly. We know what Clifton brings can be very exciting. Uh, he can also <laughs> make some big mistakes. So I'm interested to see how he does in a consistent role, um, on that third pair right side. Now we get to the goaltending. So we know it'll be, uh, Jeremy Swayman and Linus Olmark. Who starts? Who starts the season? I mean, I think Olmark gets the first look, but I also don't think it's set in stone that it's, you know, veteran 1A swing in the rookie, you know, 1B. I think Cassidy more or less talked about that in our last Zoom call with him where it's um, a situation where, um, you know, they're kind of leaving it open. And if Swayman is the same guy that they saw last year, which, again, I think we've talked about this 10 times on this podcast of it's good to be, you know, pragmatic and realistic about his production this year. And it's, you know, unfair to him to expect he's going to have a, a, a nine three save percentage this season, unless he's winning like the Calder, if not the Vesna, right? So yeah, it's the Vesna winning but, numbers. Yes, but um, if he still if he is as locked in as he was last year, then he's got a viable shot for that that one A job, and it's a good problem to have if you're the Bruins. So I think it's good they're kind of keeping it in an open competition. I still imagine if you're paying Olmark that kind of money that he gets first dibs. If let's say they're both playing well in camp or they're both pretty even. I think naturally it's going to, you know, you're going to defer to Olmark there at first, but, um, but I don't think it's anything set in stone at all that, you know, I think they're really high on Olmark and what he can bring. But if Swayman is the Swayman we saw last year, then I think all bets are off and, you know, it's, it's a good problem to have. And it's also not a thing where I think it's going to be one, a one B and it's going to be a, a 60, 40 split. I think we've seen the Bruins benefit from, you know, having a, a pretty even workload in that, for the last few years. And especially now that you don't have a guy like Rask, who's an established, you know, veteran guy, like a, a established franchise player, you can get away even more with having a good veteran guy in Omar and a rookie in Swayman and kind of having that pretty even down the stretch. 
Yeah, I think Omark will start game one. Swayman goes game two. I think it's just going to kind of be whoever's hotter um, and kind of just, as you said, 50-50 kind of doing it the whole season. I wouldn't be surprised um, if that's the route that they end up taking. I think that's what's good. It's funny. A little preview. This has not been published yet. I'm working on a piece for NCAA.com about uh, the top former, or I think it's like top 10 uh, former NCAA players in the NHL right now. And my last spot came down to either Jeremy Swayman or Spencer Knight. And I did go with Swayman. I did go with Swayman. And I know, I know people are going to find that like crazy. How could I do that? But Swayman's numbers were absurd last year. I mean, looking at them from a, from an advanced analytics perspective, just how he played, how he stood on his head. He gives me, he, he has the standing on the head vibes, which always kind of plays, you know, that, that's very an attractive uh, quality in a goalie. So that's why I went with him over Spencer Knight, which I'm sure I will get a ton of crap for. Uh, thank God there aren't a lot of diehard Florida Panther fans that would have an issue with that. Um, but nevertheless, I do think that Swayman obviously has a super bright future, uh, as, as we all do. Anyways, Connor, that is the opening night lineup. Uh, that's it. That's what it should be. That's what it's going to be. We guarantee it. Or your it money in. back. Or your money back. If the, if, the, if the lineup is any different, someone gets injured that's different, you get your hit full me up money on, back. Hit me up on my Venmo. Yeah, request Venmo, money on my Venmo. Request the money for my Venmo. I'll, I'll send it. We'll send it over. We'll split the costs. Anyways, uh, what can the people look forward to over at BSJ? Yeah, this week we're going to be doing our annual top 20 ranking of Bruins prospects, which is always interesting to see kind of how players have kind of, uh, you know, risen up the, the rankings or have dropped in some cases for guys in terms of where they, they stand. Um, so Ooh, we'll have that out that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we'll have that out this week on plenty of other stuff. I think next week we're going to start looking at some other, um, some, you know, lineup, you know, possibilities, stuff we talked about today, like where Derek Fulbert's, you know, best fits, whether, you know, what kind of player Omar could be for this team. So we'll look at all that stuff in the coming weeks over at BSJ. So subscribe to BostonSportsJournal.com. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. We do all that for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You have been listening to Bruins Beat and you have a great rest of your week. <laughs>